Welcome to Pressing Buttons, a podcast about video games. In today's episode, Nick and I talk about the future of Twitch. We also discuss the Xbox Bethesda showcase and wrap up the show with some Activision Blizzard announcements. You can also catch an extended version of this episode on YouTube. Enjoy the show! Welcome to Pressing Buttons. I'm Hugo. I'm Nick. And uh, thank you for joining us. As you can see, uh, I am live, well, as of this uh, recording, from a bunker. (laughs) Um, And I also have no mustache. I've been kidnapped, and they shaved my mustache. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Yeah, more more importantly, Uh, your mustache is gone. Uh, Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's... How are people going to recognize me now? Yeah. No, um... The truth is, I'm at work. Uh, I work 24-hour shifts, and it just so happened that uh, I'm working while we're, well, working. I, I just air quote that. Working as I'm recording. Uh, I'm on the job. Obviously, it's the weekend, and I can kind of get away with a little bit more. If there's an emergency, obviously, I have to run out of this <laughs> recording and go do whatever I need to do. But it happened to fall on a Saturday, and uh, I, I have some of my gear here. And we can continue the show. This is how much we love you listeners. The show must go on. It'll never be stopped. Ever. Except on holidays. So, you know, you're going to have some withdrawal. Or, you know, maybe we have a holiday special. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You you might have some withdrawal come Christmas time and and Thanksgiving. We'll see. Um, But, yeah. I have no mustache as well, which is also very disappointing. Just because I look different. So, if you're watching this on YouTube, this is me without a mustache. Well, you know, the verdict out whether that's disappointing to, to the audience. Could be an improvement. You were super surprised when when I logged in. Because, no, actually, I think besides my girlfriend, um, you're the only other person that has seen me without a mustache uh, that I game with. Like, obviously, people at work here were like, what the fuck? And then uh, the game, the guys we game with, they don't know that I shaved. And I haven't streamed in a while, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I haven't streamed in a while, so nobody knows uh, that I shaved my mustache. I feel like this was a missed opportunity to make some money. Like, weren't you? It was. If you're was, if you're was... if you're already planning on shaving it, and you know people were trying to get you to shave it, I feel like you could uh, use that. I mean, it was. There's always there's there was an offer on the table a couple months back when I was streaming that people wanted me to shave the mustache, not because they didn't like it, but just because they thought it'd be good content. But I don't do what my what my viewers want me to do. I do what I want to do. That's the kind of streamer I am. But yeah, it could have been content. Honestly, it it was more like one of those um, how Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite was like, I shaved my head because. I was hot type of thing. It was, it was one of those things. Summer's coming. Mustache was getting in the way of food. And I was like, uh, let me shave it. It'll grow back. You know, it'll grow back. Probably like in 48 hours, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I, I really wish I could have my beard, which as, as you, you've seen me with my beard, it's my pride and joy, but because I'm in the military, I can't really grow it. That's why the mustache was, uh, was the thing I had. All right. Anyways, enough about my mustache. Strong intro. (laughs) It's like a a fucking four minute intro about my mustache. Of which the audio podcast people are like, what is is even happening? Yeah. Yeah. Make sure you watch this on video if you want to see me without my mustache. But I appreciate all the, the concern. And podcast is going strong. Discord is going strong. Lively community. Make sure you guys join. Follow us on... Twitter as well, Buttons TV, to get any news updates or anything like that. Make sure you're on the website. Um, we appreciate the support. What's the website again? Pressingbuttons.gg. Okay, not pressing you know, buttons I, GG I, baby, like you said last week. Yeah. I mean, we might have to get that domain name as well. You know, when you put me on the spot like this, sometimes I, I blank out and I have to think. Because I know if I fuck up, you're going to say something. So that's why I had to take a, a moment. I, I thought there was a real chance you were going to say pushing buttons by accident. but Yes, because that was originally what I wanted the show to be called, pushing buttons. But somebody had already taken it and, you know, it was this whole thing. So 
for the first three months of us thinking about the show, I told people it was pushing buttons, and then you would yell at me and be like, no, it's pressing buttons. It's a big difference. Yeah. Finally got that out of my system. All right. Anyways, let's. I think we should start the show. <laughs> All right. Um, first bit of news for the week that we wanted to talk about was a change in Twitch economics. This big report from uh, Cecilia De Anastasio on Bloomberg. She's a Bloomberg reporter, great reporter. She uh, gets a lot of good scoops. I, I think she broke the news on the riot um, working conditions and, and stuff like that a couple uh, months back. But she just uh, dropped a new report basically talking about how Twitch is going to change the, the way they pay out their creators. Going from, uh, they usually pay their top creators 70% of revenue. It's got, dropping down to 50%, which is basically what the uh, regular partners get paid right now. And also they're going to be looking to implement more ads on, on the platform. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm a Twitch streamer. You know, just to throw that out there, not a very big one. I think the last time I made money, it was like a dollar twenty-nine. Shout out to Monster Keezy, aka Marcos Reyes, for subscribing and giving me a dollar twenty-nine. I'm not a big streamer. I stream for fun, obviously. It was a project of mine during the pandemic. I started and I built my whole setup, and it's very tough to just break it into the Twitch streaming industry, just because. There's a lot of rules, and it's hard to get noticed. And you also have to kind of have a shtick, I would say. Um, with with this news dropping, I think it's going to alienate a lot of their creators, honestly. Um, there's a lot of other platforms like Facebook and YouTube um, that are more uh, creator-friendly. So them decreasing the pay, making them take a pay cut, basically, just to feature more ads and stuff like that, I think not a lot of the creators are going to be happy. And we've seen creators jump shit before. We had like Ninja. Ninja went to YouTube, even though now he's back on Twitch. He went. He went to. He went to Mixer. Well, he went to Mixer, and then Mixer got closed. Yeah. And then Doctor Disrespect went to YouTube. All those. All these big names. I know uh, YouTube was trying to poach them from Twitch, and also Facebook Gaming, which was a thing. Is a thing. I don't know if it's still a thing. <laughs> um, I know a lot of partners went over there. But it's definitely going to have a lot of ripples in this uh, content creation industry for gaming. Just because Twitch, we were talking about this before the show, Twitch is the main platform for live uh, gaming. Whereas YouTube is more for uploading your videos and stuff like that. What do you think this will do to the Twitch community? Do you think the creators are going to just suck it up and deal with it? Or you think a lot of them are going to jump ship? So it's it's seventy percent going to fifty percent, but I think creators who get seventy percent, it's it's already like a pretty small number of creators, right? Like that's that's people who have specific contracts. Yes. So that's one thing to keep in mind. And I guess the way Twitch is positioning it is like there'll be more ads, lower rev share, but like you'll kind of net get like the same amount of payout because you're getting you know again like a lower rev share, but there'll be more ads to offset that. So. So it's like, okay, if that's the case, like I'm already like completely annoyed with the number of ads I already get as a, you know, I use Twitch pretty often. I think it's just way too many ads. So the idea of having even more ads uh, is very off-putting. So I think there might be that type of effect on this type of policy where it actually just has more of an impact on people wanting to engage with the Twitch platform and, and people maybe starting to look elsewhere for other similar types of of content because they're just like don't want to deal with that many ads and i think the other thing it's like um in terms of finding you know like discovery and finding new twitch creators that you like it's like really hard to do that when every time you click on a new channel you have like three ads that you need to sit through and Maybe that's like a separate thing, but I think it'll be kind of related with them just trying to ingest more ads into the content. But like, I feel like that's such like a barrier to discovery that they like need need to resolve in some way. That's been like one of my experiences where it's just like, and I know it might sound silly, but I'm like, oh, like just based on the screen grab of the stream and the description and like the game they're playing, like maybe I'll want to check this out. And it's like, okay, well, 
I have to sit through two minutes of ads for this thing that I might not even like. So I just go to YouTube, <laughs> you know, like I just get frustrated. So, <laughs> so I have to imagine that that'll, um, other people will do that as well. And so, yeah, well, I guess we'll see. Like th- this really kind of seems like Twitch is just trying to shore up its own economics. I don't know if creators necessarily get any benefit other than, uh, I think one of the things they talked about was they'll, they'll be less stringent about like exclusivity uh, as a thing, but like, if Twitch is the only real platform in the in the game, then like that doesn't really mean that much. Um, so yeah, and I guess those are my thoughts. Well, I think obviously uh, I agree with you. The ads themselves, it's out of hand. I would say, especially when the reason you're you're on Twitch is to watch these gamers play whatever they're playing, and then let's say they're doing like a specific mission and you're excited to see it or they're playing a match or something and then a stupid ad comes in the in the middle of that and then it, the screen gets uh, relegated to the upper right corner and then you have this big old ad, you're not seeing anything, you're missing out on everything. Obviously, it's definitely like one of those things that it's, it's a bummer. And they have Twitch Turbo, which we talked about, and that's the subscription base that they that you pay basically, and and you don't get any ads. But that itself, I think, it's not enough. I, I believe we said it's ten dollars a month. Too much of a cost to be able to just not not have ads. Yeah, I think it's eight eight ninety nine, um, eight ninety nine per month. You don't get any ads. Our our British correspondent Ali told me about this a while back. Like I'd never even heard of this as a as a product offering from Twitch. And I feel like they don't really advertise it anywhere. They don't really actively market it as a, as an offering. So I find that kind of interesting. Um, but you know, if the ad load gets even bigger than it already is, then I need to make a decision on, do I like the platform enough and the creators on it to pay nine bucks a month to not get ads or, you know, do I just kind of substitute it with, with something else is kind of where my head's at. Well, I also think we both have uh, Amazon Prime, and obviously Amazon owns Twitch, and they have the you, you can use your Prime sub to subscribe to a channel that you want, basically to support the channel. I don't know why they just haven't integrated those two. Like if you have Amazon Prime, and then you have Twitch, just integrate it in that way because you have that subscription, you don't get any ads. But it's two separate things. I think it would work much better if they had it that way. I wouldn't feel like it's another subscription service that I'm assigned to. You know how much I hate subscription services if it's if it's it's too much to keep track of and then I don't know what I'm paying. But obviously I think if, if they just combine the two, that would work so much better. Honestly for me, when I do watch the Twitch streams, uh, which I do very often, I just have it in the background. I don't mind as much just because like I said, I have it in the background. It's good to watch and then I can basically avoid uh, the ads and just switch my tabs when when it comes up. But it would be really convenient if they just combine the two. Uh, We'll have to see in the future, obviously, just because it's it's a report. You don't know the full details of it. It's a very accurate report, I would say, from a good reporter. She's usually right most of the time. So we'll have to see with the coming months uh what the ultimate details are of this and and how it's really going to affect everybody but like you touched on it for those creators that you know are going to be losing money they will have the option to jump ship and honestly the only reason i think like youtube and facebook gaming don't have a much bigger piece of the pie in terms of live uh live streaming gaming content is just because they haven't really made a big of a push. Uh, obviously, I think YouTube is a superior platform in, in certain aspects where um, I do appreciate that with YouTube, you can uh, save your recordings right away. Whatever you record, whatever you stream, that stays on your library for forever, basically. Whereas on Twitch, I always hated it that all my videos would get erased after a couple of days. Like that was annoying. Like, I, what if I did something cool in the stream or something funny or something like that? That ju- that was just annoying. That I, and I still find it annoying. But I'm just a lowly, lowly content creator with 97 well, followers. You know that's why you had me there making making all the clips. Yeah. Particularly whenever you fell fell into water, that was a. I was always there for that. It was my Achilles heel. Whenever there was open space, I just fell for some reason. But. You know, that's content. That's content for you. <laughs> All right, so moving on, um, Activision Blizzard a couple of days ago announced uh, Diablo Immortal, 
which is a new MMO type game coming out for mobile devices, Android and Apple, and also uh, PC. And it's going to be cross-play and cross-progression. Basically, you can uh, play it on the go while you're on the train or whatever, on the bus, at work. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, switch over to the PC and you'll be able to just pick up where you left off. Now, we were going to talk about this last week, but we didn't have a lot of info or anything like that. But they released more info, especially during the because they just had the investor call. So they wanted to get a lot of stuff out of the way, uh, let their investors know what the plans are for the future. As a new and up and coming MMO fan, as you already know, with my foray into Lost Ark, Final Fantasy... Uh, I'm a little bit hesitant on this one, mostly because it's designed primarily for mobile, even though it's also going to be coming out on PC. The PC is going to start off as a beta from their press release. It seems like it's going to have everything that the mobile one is going to have. They're just starting it as a beta just in case there's any hiccups. I'm a little bit hesitant on this just because like I like we've discussed on the show before, I'm not a big mobile uh, game fan. I have huge hands. I'm showing my hands on YouTube for reference. And just playing mobile games is just kind of a hassle for me. So I might check it out, especially because it's going to be free to play, I believe, when it comes out on PC. And I've always been a little bit fond of the Diablo games. What do you think? Are you looking forward to to this Diablo game? Uh, because So that was the first time they announced that there's going to be a PC version. Uh was during the showcase, yeah. so... Uh, before that, it was positioned as a mobile game, which upset a lot of Diablo fans. So I think they tried to do the community a solid by creating a PC version. But I think I'm sure there's plenty of business reason for them to do that. I think since they announced the game, they've probably seen a lot what's going on with crossplay and, and cross progression, particularly with like games like you know Genshin Impact or Fortnite and. I think there's just like a lot of benefits of being able to grow the audience of the game when you're on as many platforms as possible. And particularly with this one, because there was such a negative reaction to not having a PC version, I think they're, I think hopefully they can get a little bit of goodwill with, with the community by, by providing that. So because there's a PC version now, I'm actually, you know, I'll, I'll probably check it out for sure. I don't know. I mean, it, we'll just have to see how the game is like, how much the game experience is potentially held back because it was principally developed on on mobile like i don't necessarily think that could be that big of an issue again if you look at genshin impact like it being developed on mobile didn't really it's not obvious to me like how that is held back really at all so i feel like it could be a pretty good game and the way i would play it is it's i'd primarily play it on pc and then it's nice to have it as an option to play it on mobile if i if i want to and there's also controller support, so it's not it's not just touchscreen. Like if you also have a controller that you use on mobile, um, that's also an option. So, so yeah, I think I'll definitely check it out. I speculated that the reason they announced this, they did the showcase specifically on that day, coinciding with the Activision Blizzard Q1 earnings release, was because the Activision Q1 earnings release was not going to be a good one, and that proved to be true. <laughs> so. It's it's a it's a classic, you know, well, let's just announce something or, or provide information on a big release on the day of earnings just to kind of like drown out the noise of, you know, the bad the bad news from a financial perspective. So, so yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly what happened. So obviously you have uh this being the trend for the year, all these uh mobile game uh push in the market, you had uh take two purchasing Zynga and then you also have uh, EA with PopCap and stuff like that. You're, you're seeing a big push for mobile games. But it's going to be very interesting because I can feel like this also works on the Switch. And obviously, uh, the Steam Deck being out now, this would, this would probably be good to have as a Switch port. I know they had uh, Diablo, the, la the last Diablo. Um, they were able to make it for the Switch, make a Switch port, and that was very popular in itself. I think it... It'll get more of a crowd, obviously, on mobile just because it's so portable. But I think we have to look back on The Last Diablo and that had a big hiccup where the, the finished product that you had took years before the fan base was actually happy with it just because they weren't happy when it came out. They thought that it was prioritized for consoles and it really they really shot themselves in the foot in terms of developing it for PC and there, there weren't a lot of happy Diablo fans, but ultimately it took them like two or three years 
I think the whole community itself was satisfied. That was my first Diablo, honestly. So I think the Diablo community is a little bit, you know, they're a little bit of a perfectionist. They want what they want. So hopefully they won't be too sad when whatever the hell this is comes out. <laughs> All right, look, look for that June 1st, I believe. Cross-play, cross-progression. Uh, I might I might give it a go, you know, new MMO guy over here. We'll see. All right, and then uh, moving on, we wanted to talk about real quick uh, Xbox uh, announcing that they will be doing their showcase with Bethesda in June. Basically, same time slot that they normally would do for E3. As as we know, uh, E well, I was gonna say E3 is coming up, but that's not happening. Uh, the annual showcase that usually happens in June, which is E3, is not happening this year. But that doesn't mean that they're, that a bunch of developers and publishers aren't going to do their own little showcases. And obviously, with like what Jeff Keighley's doing with Games Fest and now Microsoft saying uh, that they're going to do uh, their game showcase with Bethesda around the same time, it's going to be business as usual. That's going to be one of the biggest showcase. Obviously, you have the big three, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. Xbox with just acquiring uh, Bethesda. I think this is where we will start seeing everything that they've been working for since the acquisition happened. Especially now that they're kind of moving everything to Game Pass and stuff like that. And you have the big, the biggest game that they're pushing, which would be Starfield, still scheduled to come out in November. That's going to be obviously a big showcase. But you have a lot of other games that uh, Microsoft and Bethesda have been working on. Uh, you're looking at another Fable. That might be a thing that to look out for. Obviously, more Halo news just because Halo hasn't been doing so well. And a lot of other Bethesda showcases. You want to see what Arcane's working on. You want to see what, what new Fallouts maybe might be going on for the future or anything like that. Your thoughts on the showcase? Are you looking? I mean, I I know you weren't a big Starfield fan. That's your, it's still your big stinker. I'm so just, I'm gonna hold I'm you to that. Predicting the end of it's the year. a stinker and it comes out next year, but but I think we'll we'll definitely hear like we have to hear more about that game. If we don't hear more about that game, then it's definitely coming. Like absolutely, is coming next year. But I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna see more. So we should see some actual gameplay from Starfield. Yeah, so this one, you know, they're basically doing this in lieu of, you know, they're not being an E3. Uh, this is the second time they're they're doing this kind of Xbox Bethesda, you know, kind of com- combo uh, showcase, which I I think is kind of kind of interesting. Like, I wonder at some point does it just become Xbox? Like, I find it. I know Bethesda is like probably the bigger studio, but the 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 branding of it being like the Xbox Bethesda showcase, I wonder if that just goes away at some point and it's just like. It's just Xbox. I mean, just to interject real quick, I, I actually appreciate it Bethesda doing its own thing because, I mean, obviously you and I both watched it. I thought every time, every year when they did it, they would do it its own random thing and they have like rock stars come in and bands and play and stuff like that. It was more lively. Whereas I always felt like the Xbox uh, showcases were more like straight to the point and direct and, and all about the finances and all that stuff like that, you know, which... I, Very bland yeah, I loved me. it. For you know, you, I, I prefer the Xbox one, so I'm just going <laughs> to get it on to the Xbox format. Uh, so yeah, it's the second time they're they're doing this approach. Uh, the the one last year, I think the it was it was okay. I think a lot of the feedback it got was just oh, some some cool games were announced, but it's all it's all CGI trailers, and um, you know, I think that it just kind of is what it is based on where all the games are at in their development cycles, but. I thought that was a you know kind of fair criticism of like okay like what are, what are the games actually and uh, so my hope is it's more or less the same games but we're just going in a little bit deeper with some real gameplay and then they probably you know sprinkle on a couple maybe like two or three other maybe new game announcements something like that so that's kind of how I'm I'm thinking it'll shake out the two games I'm most excited about I would say it's it's probably Fable. Um, so I'm hoping that we actually learn quite a bit more on on Fable. I think that'll be cool. And then uh, Perfect Dark's another one that I'm excited about. But based on everything that we've been hearing with some of the like development challenges, like I think we might not see too much. Probably won't see too much on that one. And I think that game might be pretty far out. But other than that, like I, I wouldn't, 
I'm not really that excited about a lot of their like big big games. You know, I think Redfall was the the showstopper at the last showcase, and we don't really don't know too much about it other than it's like an you know online cooperative shooter with with vampires. I guess is I think I think vampires is like the shtick instead of it being zombies or or, or whatever. So you know that could be cool, but that's not that genre is not necessarily my my thing. So I'm not particularly excited about that. We're back to the two thousands where vampires yeah. are the rage. Yeah, I mean, baby. I'm I'm cool with vampires. I'm just not a big, big. I mean, I'm I'm more interested in if vampire was a bloodline or masquerade. You know, the masquerade games, like yeah. the 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 next game out of that. I'm pretty excited for it, but I think that's also has kind of run into some development issues. So that might might, might be a while. Well, they just had the battle yeah. royale one, so which I was gonna say we should check that out, but I'll I'll save that for later. Um, with this, I think. Honestly, I'm more looking forward to what they're going to announce together because it's been a year since they got fully acquired. Both companies should be more synchronized at this point in terms of what they want uh, in the future and what they're going to be developing. And then that's going to also kind of give us an outlook if the Activision Blizzard uh, acquisition from Microsoft pulls through. That's also, I think, it's going to give us a good outlook on what that's going to look like in terms of uh, the franchises that Activision Blizzard already has will be mixed in with the with the Microsoft Studios. Like that's one of those things that I want to kind of see from the perspective of the business side of it, but also from the gamer side of it. It's it. I I agree with you. There's not a lot that they announced last year that really caught my eye. The Redfall looked pretty interesting, but to me that was more like Left 4 Dead, but with superpowers or whatever. And vampires, like you said, instead of zombies. It's one of those things where I want to see more of. And obviously, we're in year two of the pandemic. That was year two. We're in year two. I don't know what year it is. In Nobody the knows. It's a lot of years. <laughs> um, so they were obviously getting their, their footing down. And last year was very tough for video games in terms of announcements and scheduled releases. So obviously, this year... We're kind of right back on track with what's coming out and the announcements that are being made where they're going to be more accurate. So I think whatever will will be shown is going to be released sooner rather than later. So I'm excited for that. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Obviously, we're going to cover it once it comes out. It's going to be a gamer Christmas come June, like uh, like it is every year. We're, uh, it, I know E3 is not there anymore. But doesn't mean we're not going to get uh, video game news. And, and we're going to cover it. Pressing buttons. Your number one source for video game news and other stuff. The the one, <laughs> what's, do you have any dream games or, or announcements? Kind of going going back to what you were saying before about like, oh no, these companies have been working closely together. You know, what are the synergies or like, what are the interesting games that can come out of that? And I think the, the obvious one is Fallout New Vegas, which was developed by Ascidian. Uh, which is you know now an Xbox game studio, and, and I think a lot of people look to New Vegas as like their favorite of the more like you know 3D first-person Fallout games. So it's like, is there going to be a New New Vegas too developed by Obsidian? Like I think they got a lot on their plate already. So like I'm not super optimistic that that's going to get announced. Well, I mean, for me, I think like I'm not a big Fallout fan. I appreciate the franchise. I think it especially you know. Once 3 took off, I think it very integral to the future of video games when it came out and, and what people got from it. But I, I've never been a really big Fallout fan. I think I'm more excited to see anything that Arcane does because they always, I thought they always did great with the Dishonored series and with Prey and stuff like that. I do want them to be able to just use that, but in the Microsoft universe in, in all their games. Like, I want to see maybe, like you were saying, Perfect Dark, which is being done by Rare, maybe throw the Arcane Studios in there and see what, what comes out of that. That'd be kind of cool, but it, it's one of those things where it's it's a lot of wish list stuff. But I would say Perfect Dark I'm looking forward to just because I honestly never really played the N64 one. And also Fable, because RPGs love some RPGs. And Fable was one of those that was, you know, not the best games, but they were enjoyable. And to just get worked on, especially after such a long hiatus, I think it would be a good seller. And a lot of people would want to play it. So it doesn't have anything to do with Bethesda, but I think just talking about fun synergies among all the different Xbox studios. 
I think banjo, which is a rare, you know, developed by rare. I think Double Fine should make the next banjo game. And Double Fine is, is the developer of like Psychonauts and and those type of games. So, because I feel like I feel like Rare's kind of moved on to that from that type of game, and and you know they're doing Sea of Thieves, and they have another game uh, in development that look, looks kind of like much more expansive. And so I feel like I feel like Double Fine's a good fit for that. Um, so I think that would be my you know dream dream game announcement. That would be really cool. Yeah, and then uh, I mean I know our next topic is going to be Activision Blizzard. But just wanted to say, with something like that in the future, I'm looking at like a studio like Infinity Ward and also like Treyarch maybe stepping into the Halo franchise and, and using what they know with the first-person shooters. Just because, like I said earlier, 343 has been having a hard time. And also their developers have been having a hard time with the reception of the game and also the reception of the season pass, the new season pass for Halo. It's going to be lasting six months. That's crazy. Like, a lot, I know a lot of people were upset about that. I mean, I was upset when the Destiny season lasted, like, five months. And that was just because there was no content and you're waiting for the thing. And I, I understand the pandemic kind of pushed everything back. But you would figure with something like Halo, they'd, they'd be more on top of the ball and wouldn't let things like this happen or just have more of a, a better game plan for the future for the seasons, for the campaign and stuff like that. So um, in terms of uh, studio synergy, um, maybe that's the push that they need just to to have these uh, prime studios that, that do first-person shooters at Activision Blizzard and just bleed that into uh, 343 or, or Rare for like Perfect Dark. Yeah, I'm still waiting like to do the, the Halo campaign cooperatively. You, you might have to wait until August or something or November I forget but it's far <laughs> I mean yeah it's it's we're all gamers we like the multiplayer but we like playing campaigns and stuff like that with our friends so uh, hopefully they, they fix that up I know the gaming the ga- developing for the gaming industry is tough especially when you have so many critics out there especially on the internet and stuff like that especially on that that goddamn pressing buttons podcast oof oof well you're the critic, but okay. What? Um, no, no, but yeah, uh, it's 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 just I know they're having a hard time, and it's these delays and stuff like that don't make it better. But hopefully they uh, they come through. Moving on, uh, obviously we're going to talk about Activision Blizzard, um, just because uh, the stockholders approved by an overwhelming ninety eight percent approved the deal with Microsoft. We bring this up just because honestly, it's 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 still an ongoing thing. It's uh the biggest acquisition that's been done in a while that we we talked about and this uh acquisition the deal's not expected to close until uh june of next year 2023 and like i said 98% of the shareholders approved it but it's not a done deal you still have to go through a lot of the ftc stuff and congress and all that stuff congress has some issues with it basically monopolizing <laughs> uh the video game industry uh what did you get out of this nick did you i know you're the uh, financial guy and stuff like that and you have more insight in terms of what this means just because it's not a, f- a done deal yeah this is just going through the process of the the shareholders approving the deal i think no surprise that an overwhelming majority of shareholders would sell at the you know the the premium that Microsoft's offering, so I don't think that's the, that's surprising. And yeah, we just got to wait and see what happens with the regulatory approval process and whether they'll actually let the deal go through um, after you know antitrust and competition review. So yeah, we'll see. I think I there is some 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 chatter around uh, because the stock price is you know kind of trending down. Does that suggest that investors believe that the deal won't go through? I think I think that's that's a, either majorly or, or definitely at least partially driving why the stock price might be trending down. I think the other thing is, uh, as we discussed earlier, you know they released their Q1 earnings. I think the Call of Duty performance figures uh, didn't really get investors terribly excited. So I think there's some some dragging performance there. Um, so they didn't have a great quarter. I think that's also a contributor to why the stock price might be down. So so of of the people who already didn't think the deal was going to go through. There's now this data of a bad quarter, so I think that's just going to put some additional downward pressure on the stock price. 
so yeah, I think I think that all that all kind of makes sense. And you like this just happened, I think today, where Warren Buffett, CEO Berkshire Hathaway, uh, they already had an investment in an Activision Blizzard of about two percent all of the stock, and then they just kind of swooped in and said, okay, well at this price, I think the deal is going to go through. So it's kind of like. You know, they, they juiced up their equity stake to 9.5% from 2%. So Warren thinks it's going to go through. And if it goes through, then he gets a payday. And if it doesn't go through, then his like uh, statement was like, hey, and you know, who, who knows what happens? <laughs> so I think, but I think he, he seems to believe that the deal is going to go through. Um, I'm no, I'm not by any means a uh, antitrust expert, but. I would like I would bet that the that the deal goes through. Like it's, it, it kind of seems like there's a lot of like politics and all these people that are trying to make a big deal out of out of these like big big acquisitions. But so I think those people are probably just responding to like the actual price of the transaction and being like, oh, that's big. Like let's let's dig into it. But I'm guessing they're probably not, like net experts in the games industry or what the acquisition like actually is. And and so I think once they get kind of like get into the details, like it's I just don't know like what they're what their case would be so i don't know so i i think it'll it'll probably end up going through yeah i think there's nothing stopping this train i mean obviously if they did their research microsoft wouldn't pull the trigger on something like this if they weren't so sure by next year it, it, it'll be done and you know like you said warren buffett put his money on it if he put his money on it you can probably bet it's true because he's got a lot of it and if it doesn't you know he'll be he'll fine because yeah. he's got a lot yeah. of it we, we would be fine but he'd be, he'll be fine yeah, but uh, on the heels of, of that um, uh, of that acquisition deal being pushed through, um, I want to talk to about, about real quick. They announced the sequel to Modern Warfare, which itself was a, a reboot of the original Modern Warfare. Um, and obviously, Call of Duty is one of uh, Activision Blizzard's biggest sellers. And they did have a down year last year. Call of Duty Vanguard didn't sell as well. And then the the battle royale aspect of it didn't do as well either like you mentioned earlier it, it, with the earnings it was I, I believe it was anywhere between like 43 percent to 50 percent uh less than than the year before than year over year and you know the the reception for vanguard wasn't really great from the gamers and from the financial side so them announcing a new call of duty especially being a sequel to the reboot of modern warfare i think will get the revenue up it did really well the the original and a lot of people are really hyped for this one they're also revamping warzone itself so it's going to be built up from the ground with a new engine a lot of my the people i know that do play call of duty are super excited just because they'll be going back i honestly haven't really dived into call of duty in a while i did play modern warfare reboot and honestly i thought it was really good but i'm just like not into military shooters as much as i was uh, before when I was younger and wild and all about guns, baby. Well, now, you're, now you're in the military, so maybe it's just, it's just too real now. I like to shoot them in real life. Fuck video games. <laughs> oh my Actually, God. No. <laughs> Whoa. All right. That, that, that things should, escalated. That, sh- that, should be an, that should be an ad or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But don't put me in it. Uh, an ad for the military. Uh, no. Uh, but yeah, it's I, I think on the heels of, of this announcement, I know it got a lot of buzz. I think it was the most like tweet um, pertaining to any Call of Duty announcement on, on Twitter. It's just very anticipated. So obviously with this deal going through, they're not they're going to skip a Call of Duty in 2023 because the market got really saturated with Call of Duty every year. Just like it got saturated with Assassin's Creed every year. Um, I'm glad that they are taking a year off. Especially while they consider what the future is going to be with the Microsoft, uh, with Microsoft acquiring them, so just you know keep an eye on that, um, and we'll have some impressions. I'll probably play it, so we'll see. And then uh, the next bit of news we want to talk about was Disney Dreamlight Valley, and uh, it was a new game announced a couple days ago. It's basically a free-to-play Sims adventure game in the Disney slash Pixar universe. Basically, from the looks of the trailer, you'll be living in an area like in The Sims, but you'll be able to interact with Disney and Pixar characters, um, where you can go to their villages and stuff like that, and you can customize yourself and your area. So it's a bit of a 
Animal Crossing meets Sims meets uh, Disney Infinity if you played that. Um, and this looks like Disney's foray into the metaverse a little bit. I know they, with the Disney Infinity franchise uh, that they, they had, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it was basically the same type of thing where, where you had the universes from di different Disney franchises and Pixar franchises, but you also had like Marvel franchises. And uh, you could also do like action figures. So it was that whole Skylanders slash Amiibo thing as well. And unfortunately, even though it was very popular, I think uh, Disney shut it down. So it only really was out there for two years. But this is their foray into, I, I guess, the metaverse. Us talking the last couple of weeks about Kingdom Hearts and how uh, that's basically like the Final Fantasy universe mixed in with the uh, Disney universe. It's, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, kind of obvious. This should have been done a while ago. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think they have a, a strong case for uh, the metaverse? Do you think people will be flocking to this? Yeah, well, I, I think the game could, could be huge, just like, you know, anything that Disney puts out where if it's, if it's, you know, any good, I'm sure it'll find an audience. The, I did look at the video. It looks, it looks pretty cool. You know, I do like, um, I'm less of a Sims fan. I, I would say I'm, I'm an Animal Crossing fan. And then as I, as discussed during our Kingdom Hearts 4 announcement discussion, I'm, I'm a big, you know, big fan of all things Disney. So I'm definitely interested in it. Um, I think my only reservation would be, it's developed by Gameloft, who just basically kind of, in my opinion, creates like fairly cookie cutter mobile games. So that would be like my only reservation. It's just like, okay, are, are, is this development team going to be in a position to create something a bit more expansive and engaging? Or is it really just going to be like a, like a, a monotonous kind of mobile game with a Disney wrapper around it? So we'll have to see on that, but it's free to play. It's going to be on PC. Uh, there's a uh, I can't remember the exact uh, release date, but I think they're planning on doing like an early access version of it before they actually kind of inject some sort of monetization model into it. So I think that'd be a good opportunity for me to to mess around with it and see if it's actually something that I think is is worth playing. So, so that's my take on it. So I'm cautiously optimistic, which I think is almost always going to be my answer when we're talking about like a free to play game. It's just like. Could, it could it could be cool unless it's like the monetization model just like isn't the right isn't set up the right way then that, that's a huge turnoff for me yeah i'm on the same boat as you i think it it has to deal with is it a cash grab where disney's just trying to make some money because they know people are gonna uh want to see the disney and pixar universe and just pay to have like a Buzz Lightyear costume or Moana or whatever it is? Or is this a good marriage between developer and publisher where Gameloft will actually make something that's fun and enjoyable? Obviously being free to play, I think, boosts what, what the potential could be. Uh, it'll give people uh, more of a chance to, to jump in. And if it's good, then people will pay money. And if it's not, then it could just die like disney infinity that easy well i think with i think disney infinity i think people really liked it i think they just kind of made a i think they just believe that the whole like toys to life market segment was just going to go away over time kind of like a lot of it kind of happened with like guitar hero and all these games experiences that have like a big kind of you know specific hardware requirement for them those are generally pretty cyclical and they kind of like boom and bust. And I think they were just like, okay, like this category is going to go away. And they're, they just kind of pulled the plug ahead of that. So, All right. Um, and then to close out, uh, we wanted to talk about Sony real quick. Uh, Sony had two announcements this week. Uh, the first one being that they just released an update to the PlayStation 5 for VRR support, which just basically makes the refresh rate on games better. Obviously, a lot of their studios are taking advantage of it. The main one being uh, Insomniac. They just released an update for uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and Ratchet and Clank, which I've seen on the internet. Definitely has a lot of people buzzing. They thoroughly enjoy it. They say it looks way much better, runs much better. Are you downloading anything uh, to, to check this out? I think I'm going to download the, the patch for Ratchet and Clank and, and check that out on there. Yeah, no, I thought I thought this was great to to finally get this out there. I've been wanting to actually complete Miles Morales, so I I bought it at launch and I played it a little bit and then just got massively sidetracked. But I think now is a good now that we're kind of in this 
bit of a drought with new game releases. I've been looking for games that I you know, kind of go back to my backlog and, and games that I want to complete. Miles Morales is on there. And so I think this was kind of the the catalyst of like, okay, like that's definitely going to be the game that I go to now that it's just been patched and should run run great now. Um, I'm, I think it already ran great, but I guess it's just even, even better now. So, so yeah, I think after I finish Stranger of Paradise, I think that's going to be my next, my next game. I'm, I'm going to wait a little bit just because I know it's more for HDMI 2.1 and the monitors I have right now aren't 2.1. So I'm, I'm going to have to look for a new monitor, which Oh, well, it was going to happen eventually, but I'm excited. I mean, I, I've seen some videos and I've seen people's reaction and they love it. And I think there was about 12 to 15 games on the list of games that got the support right away. And obviously there's going to be games down the line that will come out with the full support and any older games will get patched up. So that, that'll be a good thing for, for everybody. Um, and then the other thing Sony related that we want to talk about was that Sony uh, rumored that they're going to be asking studios to make game trials at least two hours for any game that costs $34 or more. And they're basically pushing this more towards their PlayStation Plus premium subscriptions. So people will be able to uh, to test out the game basically before they fully invest their money on it. Now, with this, I think it's a great idea. Um, we talked about this earlier, but I think obviously being able to try out a game for one to two hours or even more is a plus. You would definitely want to try something before you buy, especially if it's a game. And I think two hours is a good amount to get the feel for the mechanics and the world and stuff like that. Obviously, if it's a franchise that you're familiar with, that you were planning to buy the game for anyways, this won't affect you. But it's for those type of games where like you're on the fence about it's going to be interesting just because Sony's not uh, going to be pushing their first-party titles into this, I think. Um, we'll have to, to wait and see. Um, but it's more for the other studios that are going to be offered for their PlayStation Plus Premium to, to see so people could try it out. What are your thoughts on this? I know you were like totally against pay-to-play, basically. I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally against it. I just think it's... The fact that it's you know paywalled behind the, the subscription service, like... I'd be interested to know, like, you know, why not just have that on on PS Five? Is just for like for anyone who has a PS Five, and uh, as opposed to them trying to trying to use that as like a means to justify people subscribing to the service. And you know, I have my my PC bias, you know, blinders on, where it's just like Steam, like with in Steam, you can Snob. yeah, you can just download any game and play it for up to two hours, and if you don't like it, you return it. So like that to me, that's the benchmark. Um, I know there's like probably a lot of reasons why Steam has to do that because of there's probably like lots of compatibility issues and so I think there's arguments for why it makes there's more of a need for Steam to do something like that as opposed to PlayStation but I don't know like to me I ultimately view that as like a it's a marketing like the the demo is a marketing app like it's a marketing asset and and so when you effectively are getting charged to access marketing assets I just think that's kind of silly so but at the same time, like I'm gonna, well, actually, I, 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 this alone is not enough for me to subscribe to to PS Plus. Well, not to PS Plus because you're gonna be on PS Plus. You mean like PS Plus Elite? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like whatever, whatever the yeah, whatever the tier is that that they have this gated to. Like this alone isn't enough to to get me to to subscribe to that. So, I, and I don't think anyone is gonna be like, oh yeah, like I wasn't gonna subscribe. But now I am going to subscribe because of this feature. Like so, that's kind of how I think about it. And I think Sony would probably be better off just providing that to everyone, with the idea that people are going to try more games and then potentially buy them. Um, so like, I feel like they would actually be better off by giving it to everyone versus trying to like create this like artificial value proposition inside of the subscription bundle. Yeah, I think obviously with. With them being new at this this type of subscription service with with more titles in the catalog as opposed to your regular subscription service of, of PlayStation Plus where you just do it online and get the free games, I think they're more like just experimenting type of thing. I don't think it's going to be the same a year from now once they kind of see what works for people and what people like and what people don't like. And we're both on the fence. We're probably not going to 
upgrade from the initial PlayStation Plus regular subscription. So we'll just be on the fence. Something has to really draw us in for us to just upgrade in, in terms of that. So maybe exclusive games, which I doubt they will do, or just something like that, or, or the old catalog. But that's something that they don't even have a set they don't have set titles for for what games are going to be available in their catalog so that doesn't even draw us in right now so it's it's more of a wait and see approach but they're trying something they're trying they want those uh, subscriptions it's better that it exists than it doesn't exist but i still i think where i get like a little bit kind of rubbed the wrong way is when you boil it down you're you're basically paying for demos so it's just kind of interesting to be like, okay, well, what other precedent exists where people are okay with, you know, paying for a marketing asset? Like if you go to the grocery store and they're like, hey, do you want to sample this hot dog? And you're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, okay, well, give me 25 cents. And like, it's like, no, like that's not like, that's not how it works. Um, and I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there with like pre-ordering games and early access. And there's like all these kind of other, other flavors of it that you could draw parallels to. But I feel like this one's kind of cr- crossing the line a bit, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, obviously I, I think you are right, but you also got to look at it where it's not the only thing. Like if this was the only thing, like, Hey, pay for PlayStation premium because you'll only get the the two hour trials this is the only way to get them then i would be like this is bullshit to me it's because they're like they're just trying to pad the value proposition with whatever they can throw in there just to give people a sense of yeah like value and yeah i don't i don't think it's so bad just because of that because it also offers the other thing you're gonna have your ps3 games you're gonna have your ps2 games your ps1 games but you, you, we both agree that you definitely need more than this if you want to get more uh, people to subscribe. And obviously they will have people subscribing because they had people subscribe to uh, PlayStation Now before this. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is they're, they're, better, they're better off economically if they provide it to everyone because pe- people subscribe to the top tier PlayStation subscription. Let's say they remove this feature from that subscription no one is going to cancel their subscription because they're taking that feature away, right? But if you give it to everyone, I think more people are going to try more games and then find games that they like and convert into actually paying for the game. So I'm actually, I'm trying to you know, help, help Sony out with uh, how the, you know, so it's, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe that's just me. You know, all, all our listeners that work for Sony, let them know Nick has a solution. Yeah. <laughs> all right so uh that does it for the topics of the week that we wanted to discuss uh we're gonna move on to some closing thoughts uh and i'm gonna start off by saying that i've been playing some final fantasy 14 yes you heard it here i am deeply deeply embedded in uh, final fantasy 14 harry tip is the warrior of light and he's saving the world uh i've been playing more final fantasy 14 i'm at level 45 uh like i I said uh, in previous episodes, I, I started off as a marauder and um, basically a tank, but obviously uh, you can switch classes, which is really fun. Um, I'm trying to go and become a dark knight or a samurai, but the good thing about Final Fantasy is you can switch classes with the one character you have. You don't have to start a whole new character. You just got to level it up. I'm really enjoying the combat in the game. I'm enjoying the story, even though I know it's the early parts of the game. And the story wasn't that great when it came out. Not that it wasn't that great, but it's just like basic. And I know the other expansions, uh, Heaven's Ward and N Walker and Stormblood, definitely pick up the story. And it gets better, so I'm excited uh, to get there. I haven't gotten there, I don't know. I think I barely scratched the surface of the game. I'm probably like... 20 hours in or something like that um but i'm enjoying everything of it and love me some final fantasy and one thing i wanted to say uh just being like a a new fan of mmos i i don't think i would have enjoyed this game if i would have played it when it came out i am kind of glad that i'm in the in the stage of playing it when all this uh, previous content has been out same thing i can say with lost ark i'm glad that i play lost ark and they have all this uh previous content that was available in South Korea that's still yet to come to the U.S. I'm excited for all the content that I'll be able to play. Obviously, I don't know how long that's going to take me, and we'll see when I do get to the end of that content. I know uh, Yoshi P, uh, the director, was saying that it's kind of towards the end, the development of Final Fantasy, but it's an MMO, so you never know when the end is. 
but I'm enjoying it. You know, I uh, I love this. Got to play with Nick at some point. <laughs> we always Which miss was each other. The literal reason why you were supposed to start playing that game, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, it it it, it looks like I'm actively avoiding playing with you, which would be funny if <laughs> you I said it, you said it. I didn't say it. Yeah, <laughs> it would be super funny if I played the whole game, I beat it, and we never played together a single time. Well, actually, we played together like it was just the ten you know, minutes, the beginning, the, the, the genesis of Harry Tip. That was it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, no, no, but we'll we'll get to play together uh, soon. We just have been uh, mixed up with time. But we'll we'll see. We'll keep you updated in in the Harry Tip and uh, Valentino Vega. Is it Valentino yeah. Vega? Uh, the Harry Tip and Valentino Vega saga. Uh, what are what about you? What 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 have you been up to? Final Fantasy related, but not FF fourteen. I've been uh, as I mentioned last week. I just started playing Stranger of Paradise, uh, so that's been my my main game uh, throughout the week. Uh, I think I'm almost done with it, actually. It's like a pretty relatively short game. Uh, so I should be able to complete that pretty soon. And the the, the my like incredibly dumb way of describing this game is <laughs> it's like the Taco Bell of video games where I think it's kind of like a garbage. It's kind of like a garbage game. <laughs> But like I, but I love it. <laughs> so it's like, that's kind of how I think about Taco Bell. Like Taco Bell is just absolute trash. But like, I was gonna say like, I'm <laughs> yeah, no, and, and I know that sounds like it's a bad thing, but like I think it's actually, uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, there's just like a, I think there's like a lot of issues with the game where just like the the performance of the game and some of the like lighting and brightness issues can can be kind of kind of annoying. As I mentioned last week, this the story, which I think everyone saw in the trailers, and and if you play the demo, the the writing and and dialogue and this the voice voice work, like it's just so bad. But I keep drawing the, or like in my mind, I just imagine that the game was written by Tommy Wazow, who did the room, and if you kind of go into it with that lens, like basically every line is like hilarious. Uh, so like, I'm almost always laughing at the dialogue by how bad it is. Uh, so I think that's been helpful with the experience kind of going into it, that like mentality and yeah, like the, the level design is like, like mediocre. Then you often need to like immediately go back into the levels. So it's like, you, you need to like replay the same level, but you have like one particular mission. So that I think that was pretty common in Neo, right? Where you always had these like side quests, but I yeah. feel like they changed it up in a, in a more compelling way. Whereas this is like, you're just going right back into the level and you got to do like one, one thing. So, gotcha. and it really wasn't an issue until um, there's one boss in particular, and this is like well covered all over the internet about who this boss is and how the difficulty like just dramatically spikes and a lot of people like can't beat this boss get good yeah well i tried i i tried i was like because i i ignored all the side quests because i thought they were kind of bullshit and then i got i got yeah. to this boss and like i just couldn't i just couldn't beat it without leveling up oh, and wow. then then i had to go back and do all the side quest and then i beat it first try once i got to like the appropriate level it's a tough it was like it was a great boss fight but it was just kind of like how steep of a jump in the, in the difficulty like i thought that was that was a bit much i'll have i'll have to check it out you know, so I think the game definitely has definitely has some issues, but um, I'm still having I'm having a great time. So if you like, you know, kind of uh, Souls Souls like games in Final Fantasy, like I think it's it's definitely worth giving it a try. Well, to me, it sounds like it's the first in the genre of comedy action. First it, comedy I mean, action game. It so. could be. <laughs> it certainly. I mean, the room the room certainly wasn't meant to be a comedy. So yeah. Uh, it's the eye of the beholder. I mean, it looks like you're having fun, and that's honestly uh, what what we want out of video yeah, games. Yeah. So um, I'm excited to check it out once I I finish up Horizon, which I haven't had time to play this week because I've been working a lot. Um, but I'll, I'll give more impressions on that as I play along. But it looks like we're turning into a Final Fantasy. Yeah, we've moved on from Elden Ring. Yeah, now it's Final Fantasy. Oh, the the other the other quick quick thought on on. Uh, Stranger of Paradise, which I think was another um, criticism of of Neo, maybe even more specifically Neo Two, was this the loot 
the loot system is just like so overwhelming where you're just you're just you just pick up <laughs> thousands of items all the time like you're just you're just picking up stuff all the time and it kind of like devalues like weapons and armor yeah. and where you just almost like don't even care about it um so i feel like there's like a pretty big balancing issue with with loot um in the game so i'm not really paying much attention to it i'm just picking up a ton of stuff i hit the optimize button and and that's it yeah and um, move along because there's like um, eight to twelve. How many classes? Eight to twelve. I think it's like I think it's like eighteen or something. That's like a lot. Oh shit! Even more than I thought. Yeah. So it's like yeah, that must be overwhelming. But they have so much gear. It's like eh, it doesn't matter. I'll just get a next. Ki- the next guy I kill has it has something better. All right. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll check it out. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm excited to get into some chaos when I get into chaos. All right, uh, that does it for the episode. Um, we're glad you joined us for another one, episode 17 of Pressing Buttons. Make sure you join the Discord, uh, growing Pressing Buttons community, and uh, also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. I mean, I'm horrible at the social media stuff, but it's there sometimes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Hugo, bye. I'm Nick, later. Thanks for joining us on episode 17 of Pressing Buttons. The show is produced and edited by Nick and myself. Our awesome music is composed by Layla and our show art is done by Deepaz Design. Don't forget to give us a rating and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. See you on the next episode.